0: The show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sex, Love and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berende, and I am so delighted to have with us today Donnie Hill. We are going to be talking about releasing trauma and reclaiming joy. And you can just feel the joy emanating off this man. So I am excited for this conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about him before, before we dive in today. Donnie Hill believes part of our reason for being here is to find and do work that ignites the soul, creates a positive impact, and brings joy daily. For him, business and leadership development are paths for personal and community transformation. He is the founder and CEO of Life Maximizer, a coaching and consulting company dedicated to helping people-focused, purpose-driven business and community leaders stand out in their field so they can maximize their legacy, reach, and impact. Having dealt with a number of health challenges in his past, Donnie combines the lessons he's learned with his education from Stanford University and his experience as a communication coach, leadership development specialist, strategist, and facilitator to help leaders in their communities create long-term change. With all of the chaos and disruption that's been happening in the world, Donnie is on a mission to help cultivate more joy in others so they make every moment count. Thank you for that, and thank you for coming on the show today
1: yeah it is my pleasure tatiana thank you for for having me
0: absolutely so before we dive in we are we're gonna break before we like open up the conversation so we don't have to interrupt it but I am gonna ask you before we break what your superpowers are.
1: yeah, I would say I have three um my first one is compassion my second one is acknowledgement and my third one is heart-centered
0: transparency i love that i love that oh so beautiful so right, we are we're talking talking big big stuff today releasing (laughs) trauma and reclaiming joy so i want to give us a lot of space for this um, we're going to go to break. Before we do, will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and the work you're doing in the world?
1: Sure. So you can go to my website, www.thelifemaximizer.com. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can send an email to Donnie, D O N N I E, at thelifemaximizer.com.
0: Beautiful. All right. We are going to break, but we'll be right back. Stay tuned.
2: Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts, and we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter, Alright, here we go. So
0: I was telling you before we hopped on the recording, I just had Jerome on. There's like there's so much working in the in the field, in the collective right now around trauma. I feel like we're seeing like like a trauma fest
2: erupting yes. <laughs> all over. <laughs> all over the place
1: (laughs) oh it's you know it is it's interesting because um i feel like people are just ripping off their Mm band-aids and this is the first time where i've genuinely felt like oh people are ready to heal some of these wounds we might put the band-aids back on some um but I think there are more wounds being exposed than we've, <laughs> we've ever had exposed before.
2: Yeah. And
1: it's, it's, for me, it's heartwarming to see the, the openness that people are starting to have, as well as the conversations that people are starting to have. And it's messy on everybody's end because we haven't had these conversations before.
2: Yeah.
1: And so um, the analogy that I've been using with people around talking around trauma is like, treat it as if it's an infant. Mm. You're not going in and talking to the infant and screaming at the infant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why can't you knock it? <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and these conversations, they're so tender mm-hmm. and so raw
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just so... Um, so exposed, like it's, it's really important to continue having the conversations, but for us to find the tools to help us have them um, more easily and more compassionately, and that doesn't mean negating people's anger or sadness or grief or rage or whatever. It means acknowledging it, but then it also means having the tools to support the movement forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what are, what are some of the tools that you have found to be most useful right now?
1: The, the, <laughs> the tools are are the three superpowers mm-hmm. that I mentioned, compassion, acknowledgement, and heart-centered transparency. And I would say the, the heart-centered transparency, I can go into a little more detail, but mm-hmm. the first two, um, acknowledgement of just people are having, their own experience there are seven billion different experiences that are happening
0: (laughs) and it shows shows,
1: and it it's really you know can you you don't have to understand it or agree with it but i think the invitation for myself right now and the invitation for us all is really can we just be with all of these different experiences and then that's where the compassion piece comes into place because you, there might be areas of overlap where you can see, oh, they're having a similar experience. I don't know the full depth of this, but I do understand this little piece. Um, and so, can I have some compassion, even in that little piece? And it's the the asking of the question: Can I have some compassion here? Can I take some time to understand here? And with that. Um, it, it, compassion is a much slower, moves at a much slower pace and is a much slower process, but it goes further in depth. And when we are in environments that are focused on speed and results and getting to the outcome quickly, um, it, it goes against that need for compassion or the desire to, to extend compassion to someone because it's not a quick fix.
0: Yeah. It's not a quick fix. And, um, and there's a lot of like emotional range within it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we, we have to have compassion for ourselves too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a lot of real understandable anger that's coming out right now. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective, cause I know you work you know, a lot in the black community and primarily in the black community. And, um, and something that I've been hearing a lot from people of color is like, I don't have to hold space for, for anyone else's feelings right now. Like I just, I just get to have my own. Um, and, and I really respect that space yeah. And and I would just I would love to hear you talk a little bit more on on sort of your understanding of, of that dynamic and, and how that plays into everything that you were just saying.
2: Sure.
1: Um, I I know <laughs> I know that space of not not wanting to hold space for anybody else or not being able to. And mm-hmm. part of it I think has been because our experiences have been negated for so long. Now when people are asking, hey, can you hold space for me too? They're like, hell no. I barely have space for myself. I barely have the the resources to hold myself. And especially when you're in anger and rage, those are such powerful, powerful emotions. And people feel them all over their body Mm -hmm. Um, that it, it makes it it makes it hard to bring compassion in, in those spaces. And it makes, it makes it difficult to bring space in when you're in those spaces, because right now you're just like, I just freaking want to feel better. I don't, (laughs) uh, why should I have to take care of somebody else? Uh, And a lot of the conversations that I'm having now with the black community and the white community is for the black community, it's really about just giving them space and being um, being with them in the anger and the resentment. That doesn't necessarily mean I have to feel it and experience it um, while they're going through it, but I do just have to honor honor that hey this is this is where. They are, and with with justification. Yeah. I think the conversations that I've had in the non-Black community is, um, and maybe this visual is helpful, um, is I'll say, imagine you're sitting at a table, and you've put your plate on the table, and it has all of the things that nourish you and that you want and need. Mm -hmm. And the Black person puts theirs on the table and it looks nothing like your own plate. Mm -hmm. And so if your reaction is to push their plate off the table or tell them, hey, you need to put your plate back under the table because it makes you uncomfortable or because it's not what you like or it's because um, that's not the type of food you would eat, then you're negating their experience. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so then there's this there's this back and forth of, okay, so it's okay for you to put your plate on the table, but it's not okay for me to put my plate on the table. How is that fair? Because if I said, hey, take yours off, or if I push yours off, you wouldn't like it either. So it's really about, can you, can there be room for both? Yeah. Can there be room for both?
0: Yeah, and I think that there's a, it, it's really important when, when, we're, when we're having these conversations, Again, just circling back to compassion and like first having compassion for ourselves, like being able to acknowledge where we're at in our capacity because today I might have space. I might have capacity to, to be with someone else's discomfort and tomorrow I might have zero capacity for that. And I might need to just be in my, in my rage because I mean, we're talking about releasing trauma and this isn't just our trauma. This is generational trauma that's been handed down for for hundreds and hundreds of years
2: right yes, so this yes. is
0: this is not like a quick fix oh i'm just gonna clean that up something that <laughs> happened yesterday like, this is like this is like i'm i'm healing you know great grandma's trauma
2: yeah.
0: and and so i i think we need to have a lot more space for each other in that conversation too and like if it's if it's your day to not have the capacity or if it's someone else's data, not have the capacity like part of loving ourselves is to to just speak that and say no that's part of the healing right
1: yes yeah and one uh, i just heard this phrase maybe a week or two ago and i had never heard of it before but it makes sense um of like people have compassion fatigue That's, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. can't be in a compassionate space all the time because
0: yeah. <laughs> compassion fatigue is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: you're you're your own <laughs> sovereign being with the whole range of emotions, and sometimes you just have to say, "Okay, I need to I need to take some time for me."
2: Yeah, I need to take
0: some time. So, so let's talk about joy then in that mm-hmm. space. Because, like, how how do you get from Cause it's not—it's at least in my experience—and and one of one of the things that I work with and teaches is the—it's uh, um, like an emotional wheel, right? Yes. And we cannot just jump from anger to joy. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a, there's a series of steps that we have to move <laughs>
2: through. <laughs>
0: we can try try to make that jump, but we're gonna be faking it, and it's gonna come out in all sorts of nasty ways on sideways. If we're not acknowledging where we're starting from,
2: right?
1: Exactly, exactly. I um, I think of I think of joy as uh, an ongoing destination that I would peace and joy as the ongoing destination of the places where I would like to be, with the understanding that I won't always be there. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and so for me, part of how I've had to reconnect to it is simply by the honoring of the anger, the resentment, the rage, the frustration, the grief, the sadness, because it's just an emotional release. Um, And if if I can find the tools and ways to just emotionally release or just acknowledge where I am, then that often brings me back to a place of peace. And so I'm a little closer mm. to joy,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and, and that has just that has just become a practice for me. Like especially over the past, I would say month, is how do I how do I make this sustainable?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I can't go out of. I can't go out of the house and go to the movies or go shopping or
0: go do all
1: of these things to help me get away from myself (laughs) or to zone out for a bit. And so I've intentionally had to spend time just being with my emotions, all of them um, throughout these past several months, because otherwise I like my peace of mind would just be out the door.
0: You know, I think that that's part of what we're seeing though is, you know, it's like, I don't think, I don't think what we're seeing play out right now would have happened without quarantine Yeah, because, because people, I I mean, you, you, I think are, are an exception (laughs) in that most people don't know how to sit with themselves. And it's, it, and, and even now we're seeing like, okay, everything's reopening and like the numbers are skyrocketing, <laughs> but people don't care because they've been so long unable to sit with themselves. It's like, I just need to get out and do something because, because I cannot be with myself. I cannot be with all of the discomfort that I'm feeling. I don't know how to have these conversations. This is weirding me out. I, everything in the world is changing. And nothing is solid anymore. I don't know what's true. And I need to just go fle- like freak out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was having a conversation um, with a friend of mine on Monday, and we were talking about what if What if um, kids got this training in preschool or Mm -hmm. kindergarten? It would be such a different experience and it would be such a different world um, because it I'm I'm realizing now more and more that most human beings haven't been given the tools to deal with their emotions. Yeah. And that that is such a disservice because when things like this happen, we don't know what to do with ourselves.
0: Right. Right. So what would you say to someone who's maybe on the edge of that freak out right now? They're indulging in podcasts because <laughs> they're the <laughs> trying to
2: escape.
1: <laughs> I would say um I would say, look, you you have here's your door. Your door. Yeah, here's your door. Um and it can be a scary door, especially if you are—you um, don't know what it's going to lead to or where it's going to go. But at the very least, put your hand on the handle.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And when you're ready, take a breath. <laughs> and you can make the decision about whether or not you want to turn the knob and open the door. Um, and... One of the interesting things about watching what's happening with the pandemic and the, the unrest is I'm really understanding now what it means to have free will. And even though we might not want people to be angry, like I have no, <laughs> I have no control over what they do or choose to do. Um, and so I really have to just honor that experience. And I think for, for someone who is just beginning to put their hand on the doorknob, um, you can always say, no, I don't want to do this right now. And then there are moments when you say, yeah, I just want to turn it a little bit more. And no, I want to close the door again. And yes, I want to open it a little wider. And so it, it doesn't have to be this um, rushed experience just because other people are doing it a particular way. So it's really important for you to find, find out what's going to be the best path forward for you. But there's something in the back of your mind that's going, okay, this other way isn't working for me. um, So I have to find something.
0: You know, I love that analogy of the door. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of something you said earlier about, you know, the, the Band-Aids are coming off. And um, and it reminded me, I, I recently took Resmaa Menachem's um, free e-course that he's got on his site around healing um, racial trauma. And and something that one of the women that um, was being interviewed in that course was, was talking about, she was talking about um, how it's like, you know, when you get a cut and it's like a surface cut, like you got to clean it out and it hurts. <laughs> um, but the, the, the wound that is getting cleaned out right now is not a surface cut. Yeah. This is like a deep <laughs> gangrenous wound. Yeah. And, but you still got to clean it out yeah. and, and it's going to hurt yeah. the cleaning out process is gonna hurt, but it's part of the healing. Yes. The healing can't happen. The gangrene will take over and you'll lose your limb. Yeah. You know <laughs> if you don't clean it out.
1: Uh analogies are so powerful. I because
0: know they are.
1: <laughs> that one just yeah, it sucked me. Yeah. It sucked me.
0: And I and I think again, like if we can if we can hold it like that, yeah. like we've all got wounds. We've all got wounds, you know,
2: Yeah.
0: but some of us have wounds that are a little bit bigger yeah. and they both
2: hurt. Yes.
0: Right. And this is not about, you know, something that, that I feel like we're seeing a lot of is like my trauma is worse than your trauma kind of like yeah. trauma porn thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and there's, it's so tricky because I feel like there, there is a, there is a place for that, you know, there is kind of like a, like a who gets to go first kind of <laughs> moment sometimes, right? Yes. It's like, if this person needs triage and you just need a aid like triage is going to go first.
2: Yeah.
0: Triage is going to get the attention first because they're bleeding out and dying, right? Yeah. And and I and so I think it's it's important to hold all of this in that way, and I, I'm speaking especially to to my audience in in white and light skin white passing bodies. Like, there's triage that's needing to happen right now. You yeah. know, and we and it's it's our I mean, I, I want to say responsibility, but because it feels that way, that's how I hold it. Um. But I, I'm also aware as those words are coming out of my mouth, like I can't place that on anyone else. Yeah. But I feel it's my responsibility to 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 really make space for that triage to occur. And and yes, like we have we have our ancestral wounds too. You know, I was just reading an article last night about like all the slaves from Ireland that, you know, I mean this is like there was like a huge slave trade of Irish bodies, right?
2: Yeah.
0: And yet like and so there's, so there is, when we're talking about trauma and like generational trauma, like there is in, in the DNA that's been handed down, there is that trauma, which is part of what complicates this whole conversation. Cause we want to make it black and white, but it's not,
1: yeah.
0: it's not that easy. And, and there's also the very real like racial profiling that even if you have that generational trauma from an Irish ancestry, like you don't, you don't have to face the racial profiling that occurs because you've been able to assimilate because of the color of your skin, you know. And there's, and that's true too. And we have to give, we have to, we have to give space for all of it, for all of it. It can all be true at the same time, together on the same table.
1: Yes, 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 yes. I, I've been trying to figure out like how do I how do I continue moving the conversations forward help the the black community help myself and have conversations with uh, the non black communities and what what I've come to is oh i I just need to make sure that I clean up Donny Island mm. because there was Donnelly was looking a mess. <laughs> and I I think in cleaning it up, it has given me it has given me the capacity not only to have more compassion, but also to consider other perspectives. Because I'm not just in this constant reactive, uh, reactive space. And to be honest, there are Conversations that I don't, I still don't know how to have, and would feel very uncomfortable having, um, because I just don't feel like I I'm equipped to have them. But I think that's also part of part of the healing process is saying, I don't know how this is supposed to unfold. I don't know how it's supposed to look. I know that I want to get to to a place where the Black community can live in peace and just have a normal like, life without yeah. having to deal with a bunch of crap. Yeah. Um, and I also know that I can't do that on my own. I can't take on that responsibility for the collective. It has to be the responsibility of everybody.
2: Yeah. Inclusion
1: and equity is a conversation for all. Absolutely, um, it's not just a conversation for me or for the black community versus Absolutely the white community, yeah. and so it depending on who you who you have in front of you, like it can be really tricky navigating that con- <laughs> navigating that conversation, just because you never know where the person is and you never know how they're going to respond. Um, and what I'm I'm finding now is some people are just getting nervous to even say anything right? because they don't want to step on minds. It's like, I'm about to go into this field and I have no idea where the bombs are, are laid out. And I, so I rather just stay here and not, not walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, and And that's where, that's where I really hope people can, Um, find the tools to help them articulate not only their anger and their frustration, but also their desires, like what is it that you want to see? Say everything, um, say uh, communities are more diversified, um, the workplace is more equitable, and communities are more inclusive, Then, then what? What is it that you're wanting out of those experiences? And let's have those conversations too, in addition to the difficult conversations of race around race relations and injustices, yeah. because I think both are really important in order to create this new this new world.
0: Right, right. Well, I think I love I love how you're bringing all this forward, and and I think it's so important. Like we can stay focused on the problem. And, Mm -hmm. and again, when we're in triage, we need to, and not everyone is in triage. And some people are are able to start stepping out and saying, okay, where are we going? Because, because folks, we have never been where we're going before. (laughs) This has never been done on planet earth ever. We have not done this before. We do not have a roadmap. And so we have to speak we have to speak it into existence. We have to we have to paint the picture of where we're going so that so that we can start taking steps towards that. Because otherwise we are all fumbling around in the dark looking for a light switch and stepping on each other in the process.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So 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 in that al- along those lines and in that vein when you think about it what do you want to see
1: Um <laughs> the phrase self-reliance has been coming up a lot for me over the past week or so and I've I realize there's, yes, I need systems or we we need systems to help us um, move forward. But we also have to have the the internal tools and know-how to help ourselves. And so when I think about um, what reconnecting to joy looks like for me and the vision moving forward. Like I have visual images of joyful Black communities. And part of joyful Black communities means that they have the the resources and opportunities available for them to take care of themselves and to take care of their families and um, to do work that inspires them and uplifts them and it makes them feel good and allows them to give back to their community. And so it's it really goes back to those basic human needs of, I just want to have a good quality of life. And I want my family and my friends um, to have a, a good quality of life. And I think the other part of that is is when I look at the workplace and realize there are so many um, members within the black community who have amazing amazing skills
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, and knowledge but they don't have the opportunities to share them with people Um, and so I hope that as the conversations continue um, non-black communities will get to see the beauty that The black community can bring to the table because it's a lot. Whether it's through culture, yeah, through music, through ways of thinking, because their experiences
2: um,
1: have given them opportunities to think differently about problems and situations, and so they're just going to bring another way of thinking to the table, and it doesn't have to be an an either or. It can be a both and.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think part of that is is acknowledging all of the ways that there already have been tremendous contributions. Yeah, I mean, Jerome and yes. I were talking about this. It's like, hello, music. I'm sorry, music. Like, yeah. <laughs> music would not be what music <laughs> is without the black community. Like, wouldn't it? Would it so stiff and boring, like it. Music has life because of the black community. All of our popular music today is influenced by the black community, and and so I think part of it, for me anyway, starts with like giving credit where credit is due. Um,
1: yeah, and it's the acknowledgement piece.
0: Yeah, and also it's like I think it's like changing how we teach history, because when when yes. we're in school, like we are taught white history we are taught european history and even that is not a complete history because we're not taught about the burning times you know maybe it's like glossed over in a paragraph in your textbook but like we are not taught about the like persecution of our own indigenous people you know in europe we're not taught about that part you know and we're not taught about all of the amazing contributions that came out of egypt that like impacted culture and civilization as we know it, right? Yes. We're, we're not taught about these things. And I think that if if we were just starting to educate one another, educate ourselves, educate our children about like, there are all of these histories on the planet that are not just European histories that are
2: yeah.
0: just as valid and just as valuable. And like, what are we, what have we lost in not focusing there too? Yes. And it's not a focusing there instead of, it's like, <laughs> I think <laughs> we, we've got to break out of this, like either or binary thinking, right? Because focusing yes. there doesn't yes. mean we're not going to focus over here anymore. It means like we're growing, our, <laughs> we're growing our capacity to hold all of it. All of it. It can all exist together at the same time.
1: Yes. When you think about um, your vision of the the new future, and what does it look like for you?
0: Well, I, I really, for me, what I was just speaking about, about how we teach history, I think actually, mm-hmm. I think that would have such a huge impact. I don't, I used to kind of hate history class in school. I mean, not hate it, <laughs> but it was like boring. You know, it wasn't relevant. It wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't real. And probably there was a part of me that was like, you know, this is not the whole story. This did,
2: right? um, yeah.
0: This is not what I'm interested in. This is like white man's history, and I'm not a man. And so, so it's like, okay. <laughs> um, but as I as I've gotten older to me, history has become more and more fascinating. I remember watching this happen with my brother. My brother was 12 and a half years older than me and he, um, he went through this period and it's kind of where I am at in my, in my 30s right now and where he, was, he started becoming really fascinated with history. And I was like, whatever, why are you so reading all this history all the time now? Like, I don't, it's boring,
2: right? <laughs> um,
0: but now I get it. I'm like, no, history history is so important. Because history informs us of where we have been. And if we are not clear on where we have been, we cannot move forward in a different way. And we see like history is repeating itself. I mean, really, I've heard a number of people say like, look, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, like nothing has actually changed since that time. I mean, some things, like, it's different depending on on who you talk to. Obviously, like, the drinking fountains and the bathrooms and the buses, like, yes, that has changed. But the structures of oppression in in our ways of thinking and treating each other have not changed. Um, Yeah. And I really believe that how we teach history has a lot to do with that.
1: Uh, It's so funny that you you shared that because as you were talking about um, the reteaching teaching of history, I started getting excited, like, yeah, I want to have <laughs> There are all these, uh, there are all of these um, Black thought leaders that I still don't know about and want to learn more about. It's like, there has been a lot of excellence in our community. And when I think about my history classes, no wonder I was bored. I it, there was nothing about that
2: mm-hmm. in
1: in my education um, growing up. And it, it, now, just thinking about it, it, it upsets me because I have two nephews, one's fourteen and the other fifteen, and I'm thinking, wow, I wonder what your history books look like now.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: imagine they haven't changed very much, um, but there's so much that we don't get taught in the educational system about who we are as human beings, um, whether yeah. it's women or whether it's the black community or other BIPOC communities, and okay. that's such that's so sad. It's,
2: it's so, so sad.
0: sad. I mean, when I was in when I was in high school, the history book that we had—I am not kidding you—my freshman year in the opening paragraph of this book it said maybe someday man will land on the moon that is how old the history book that we were working with was it was written before the moon landing because history doesn't change you know so so you can use a totally outdated textbook but like (laughs) (laughs) our understanding of history has changed. And our our perspective on history needs to change. And I've been so blessed, because I've gotten to sit at the feet of elders from indigenous communities that have carried their history forward in an oral tradition, through stories. And so I got a very different history lesson in my really early adult years because I got to hear these, some of these oral stories being passed down from the elders and, and, and stories from ancient times that were still alive, that are still alive, because they have been kept alive through the human voice. They have not been yeah. written down and, and calcified in that way. <laughs> they, 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 it's a living, breathing history of resilience and, and, and change and prophecy and, and story that, I mean, for me, that was when history started to come alive because it was like, oh, my gosh, here's people, here's people who know the stories that have been being told for hundreds, if not thousands of years. I mean, some of those prophecies are old. And, and when they came through, no one... Who was alive then is still alive today and yet that story has still been passed down and i think there's something to that you know so oh oh, wow i just saw the time we're we're good so this conversation just
2: flown by um (laughs) so
0: (laughs) you're i just i want to thank you so much for for taking the time out of your day to be with us and to, to share these gems that, that you're bringing forward in such a beautiful way. Um, and I just want to give you an opportunity now, if there's anything that we haven't touched on that you really want to make sure that our audience takes away, um, with them. I just want to give you a chance to share that right now.
1: Yeah, I would say, um, (laughs) I would say think of this process as we're creating this new earth as we're in our infancy and some might just be rolling over, some might be crawling, some might be standing holding onto the table just to feel what it's like to stand Um, but if we can continue to um, bring that kind of love and care and compassion uh, to ourselves and then out to other people as we navigate this messiness and move into this new world, um, then I think we have a, a better chance of being successful of actually making some real progress moving forward. And so that is my that is my wish for people moving forward.
0: Mm, beautifully said. Thank you so much, Donnie. You are you are a gem, and I'm just so glad that that you said yes to coming and being on the show.
1: Uh, thank you, Tatiana. i I loved our conversation, and I'm I'm so honored that I got to to um, spend some time with you today
0: yeah me too and to our listeners thank you so much for being you and for, for taking this information in and for, for receiving it for, for synthesizing it and for using it to make your life and the lives of those around you better because that is what we are all here to do like Donnie said to create this new world together so thank you for, for continuing to tune in and for continuing to do that um, and if you want to start playing with superpowers, come check us out at superpowerexperts.com. Um, if you haven't checked out some of our other shows, do so. You can download the app and you can dive deep into a rabbit hole of any show you want to that way. If you search SuperpowerNet on any of the app stores, uh, it's available to you like that. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply.